Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Coops, I'm your host, and I'm excited to have a returning guest, uh, the lovely Claire Taylor. Welcome back to the show, Claire. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always a blast to, to hang out with you and, and chat with you just because I think you're really cool and I like you. Um, but in addition to that, in addition to that, you're also super knowledgeable about books and storytelling. So. <laughs> Um, today I'm excited to, to chat with you a little bit about a really cool service that you have uh, called the Story Alignment, a service that I have recently partaken of and gotten a lot out of and I can highly recommend, so I was excited to get you on the show and chat about it. Um, for people who aren't familiar with your service of Story Alignment, can you give people sort of just a general idea of what we're talking about? Um, yeah, so it's basically just an hour call like on Skype, like what we're doing now. Um, you'll see the purple in the background. And uh, you'll send a questionnaire in ahead of time about your story. Just some questions I ask to kind of get, you know, get the, the four corners pinned down, as one of my least favorite professors used to say. Um, and and then we'll just chat about what you're struggling with. That's something that you fill out on the form. Um, mm -hmm. And it just kind of gets things moving a little bit. Um, because I do love story, like I'm a total nerd for it. Yeah. Then I, you know, then I, I can kind of pinpoint what is actually kind of sticking, you know, keeping the person from getting to the next scene yeah. or um, or even just if you have a book and you're like, it's good, but like, I want this to be great. Yeah, that's something we can dive into. Um, so it's super casual. Usually it's about the first 30 minutes of the hour is just like, OK, let's fix these problems. And so we kind of get everything that's initially the issue out of the mm -hmm. way, usually, not always. Um, and then the last half hour is where we really get to like nerd out and I can go, oh, well, tell me more about this. This looks yeah. like you could do a whole sub, you know, plot and like, wait, what about this little theme? And are you using this character? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's just kind of like a sounding board, like a critique partner, except, you know, it's critique partners can be hard to find mm -hmm. um, good ones at least. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. So yeah, it's like if you don't want to have to wait until the next critique meeting, you call me up, hour long conversation, and usually you're off to the races again. Yeah, I, I almost equated it to like having therapy for your book. You're, <laughs> you're such a good listener. One of the cool things that you do is that you record the, the session and then you as the the person who's doing the, the writing, doing the session, you get to listen to this over again as many times as you want. And I've re-listened to my session several times. Um, and one of the things that I was amazed by was your capacity to just listen well. Because <laughs> I remember you asked me a question um, about my character's arc, I think. And I started to describe, I got maybe a third of the way into describing like a sentence about where she was headed. But then I backtracked and started talking to you about her family. Then I started, then I backtracked again and I was talking about the, the story world. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, I'm describing like the overall global genre of the book. And I had backed my way out of this question. And then, you know, five minutes later, I still hadn't answered the question that you initially asked. And I was like wandering completely backwards direction. But you were super patient about it. And then uh, we eventually got back on track, which I, but I was very impressed. Every time I watched that, I'm like, man, she's really patient. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because there's the issues that people come with and that like, you know, I guess now we're, it is like therapy, but it's sort of the, the things that people know they need to work on. Mm -hmm. And 
there's always a lot more that they don't realize yet. And Mm -hmm. so when people start to go kind of to these different, uh, in these different directions, I'm like, Ooh, there's something subconscious that they're trying to like work out here. So like, Mm -hmm. um, for instance, um, one person I was working with, she, you know, we worked on her, it was a romance sort of romance women's fiction. And, um, you know, we worked on what she knew we needed to work on. And then sort of offhandedly, she mentioned that one of the characters had a dog. And I was like, mm, we're going in on this. Like, yeah. this is what you need, you know? And it's totally offhand. Um, but it was like, yeah, this is exactly, like, you know that this is the piece that's missing, but you haven't quite put it to. So it's kind of fun to just listen and see. Because everyone, I mean, authors know story. It's not like people are coming and they need me to do a workshop. Right. Um, the people I work with already know story and just need a little help, you know, to like reel it in or mm-hmm. like, you know, there's something I'm not seeing. Can you just help me? Give me another perspective. Yeah. And I found even your intake form. You, when you sign up for one of these, you go on the website, you're not just going in cold. Like you fill out a little bit of a survey about what do you think the problem is? which I thought was really useful because I started doing this and I'm like, oh wow, this actually just this exercise by itself of trying to have to explain to you what my story is about and then try to explain to you what I think is wrong with it, that all by itself solved quite a few problems before I even went into the session. So it's like almost like having a worksheet in advance that, that helped me iron out some of my problems. And I'm like, I was, got me really excited about the story uh, just in the act of explaining it, which I think is um, something that we can all benefit from. And the act of trying to say it out loud to you, you know, was also, you know, getting me energized about the story again, which I think was really cool. Yeah, I'm glad that technique worked. <laughs> <laughs> All according to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because no, I think that is such a, such an interesting part of what we do as writers is the storytelling part, and you have to be able to tell it. And when you switch from this, you know, typing medium and trying to get words on pages and go directly to someone's brain. Um, and trying to express it to an actual person, it's such a different experience. Oh, totally. And you know, it's interesting because even, I mean, this is a service that I would even use. Mm -hmm. Like I'm running it, but I would also love to have it with someone else, obviously. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I can kind of do it with myself, but it's this whole crazy, like conscious, subconscious thing. It's like, you know, Dresden Files when you talk. But, um, but it's, so it's, it's not like a, you know, this person has failed or whatever. It's, it's just like, all right, this is a part of the process. I'm to this point, like, um, I recently had a book and I was, I had just finished drafting it and I was like, this ending sucks. Mm. You know, like I, I just, I couldn't figure it out. Um, and so I had to set aside some time to be like, why does this suck? Um, and so really like asking myself some of the questions that I would normally ask and kind of evaluating some of those things, like the, um, it turned out that the problem was the antagonist, which is mm. more often than not the, what's holding back a story from being like super awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of antagonists. I love them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you have your favorite villain. So mine, it was a case of, I didn't know anything about this antagonist and neither did the reader. So who cares? Right. Um, yeah. I have that problem it, often. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, uh, so not, I'll try not to give any spoilers here. Um, but like in Game of Thrones, there's mm-hmm. kind of two antagonists. Mm-hmm. There's Cersei, who you love. She's like the best antagonist. Like even as she's like doing horrible stuff, it's just fun to watch her. Right. And then there's the Night King, 
which is like, nobody cares about the Night King. Like, what, what is he? Okay, so we kind of know how he started, but like, we don't know anything about him. And right. so those two are kind of the, um, a good example of like, what a good and bad antagonist looks like. Because the Night King, we don't know anything about him, so he can't reflect with the protagonist. Yeah, he's just straight evil, which is kind of boring. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, psychopath antagonists, most people can't do yeah. that well. Right. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's what it was. It was, it was just a bad antagonist and I fixed that, rewrote the last like 7,000 words of the book and it was all better. Julie Strauss is watching. She commented and said, this was exactly my experience working with Claire. By the, by the messy middle, I had lost interest in the book, but after working with her, I felt excited about the story again because it had been fine tuned. Um, so yeah, so previous satisfied, uh, customer slash friend commenting here, which is great. So thank you, Julie, for that comment. Yeah, I'll um, give you a discount later, Julie. <laughs> uh, Ernie Dempsey's watching. Hi, Ernie. Good to see you. Ben Wallace is watching. Um, quite a few people um, saying hi. So thank you for, for saying hello. And if you have questions for Claire or comments and you want to uh, ask them, I'm happy to, to relay them to you, uh, the benefit of these live episodes. The weirder, uh, the better. <laughs> challenge accepted. No, the, um, <laughs> one of the things you, t you mentioned there was that you ask yourself questions. Um, can you give some examples of some of the questions that you frequently ask writers that help trigger um, them to think about their okay. story in a new way? Uh, yeah, so the, the first one that I ask to make sure um, that, that we're all clear is what does your protagonist want and mm -hmm. what do they need? Mm -hmm. Those are the two big questions. Um, and that is where a lot of people get lost. And it's so easy to get lost because you're like in the, you know, in, you're in the minutia of this character's mind. And even in the minutia of your own life, you forget what you want versus what you need. So it's something that is important to return to. I mean, even if you write it at like the top of your notes, if you know, you keep notes as you write what they want, what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, because the problem arises when those two aren't in alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, and for people, and so, for people who aren't familiar with that concept, can you just describe the difference between the want and the need? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so let's jump to Harry Potter, something people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to know what Harry wants because he looks in the mirror of Erised and it shows you. Mm -hmm. He wants his parents back. He right. wants, you know, family. Yeah. Um, specifically, he wants the, his dead family. So that's not what he needs, though. Um, what he needs... I guess if you're going to be sort of general about it, he needs to protect the people that he loves now. Kind of his new uh, family. By taking, right, his new family, to take on Voldemort yeah. um, and, and end that. So um, so what he wants, what he needs, he, you know, what he's, he wants is something in the past, and that's kind of um, holding him back from getting what he needs. Mm -hmm. So it's when those two things come into alignment and what he ne needs to do, kill Voldemort, um, happens then what he wants comes into alignment and he can finally like start his own family and you get that stupid epilogue. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with his stupid named kids. Um, but yeah, so he finally gets what he wants, um, but only after he does what he needs. So when, yeah. you ha when you're talking about endings too, especially, that's really important because um, a happy ending isn't necessarily a satisfied ending. And you, a lot of times or a satisfying ending. A lot of times people think that they want a happy ending, um, but that alone isn't going to cut it because a happy ending is usually where the character gets what they want. Mm. Um, a satisfying ending is where they get what they need. 
Right. They may or may not also get what they want, but it's what they need. So, um, man, I really just, I keep going back to Game of Thrones because there was so much to go into there. Um, just because there's so many different characters. But, um, you know, a tragic ending can be satisfying yeah. if that is what that character needs. Well, gla- Gladiator is a good example. It's a tragic ending, mm-hmm. but it it's fits It fits yeah. what he wants. He wants to be with his exactly. family. His family's dead. He needs to end up dead. He so. needs revenge, and that's yeah. also what he wants. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, so those two kind of come into alignment, but but he, that's but like, he also but he also needs to be more than just revenge because he's he partway through that story he has to learn to fight not just for his own family that which is dead and, and revenge right. but also for the people that are still alive in the Republic, which I think is interesting. Right. Um. Yeah. So it's kind, of, but it's not necessarily a happy ending, right? right. We're satisfied. No, like that's tragic. exactly what needed to happen. Yeah. So. Um, just a happy ending alone isn't enough, right? Mm. To like make people I'm trying to think of an example, like if uh, what's it like a popular something that's not Game of Thrones, <laughs> something that everyone will know that's not Harry Potter and or Hunger Games, for example. That was a terrible Hunger idea. Games. Okay, yeah, there's something it's tragic um, and bad. <laughs> that was not a satisfying ending, in my opinion. Right. Because what Katniss. Katniss didn't need to like go and like start a family or anything. That was like so not what she needed. Um, and for me, it was it, frustrating it just, because the one thing that got her into that, saving her sister. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't read. Yeah. I guess Mockingjay. But the sister doesn't doesn't stay saved, which I think is super frustrating about that trilogy. Yeah, that that third book was a hot mess. Um, yeah. I mean, I watched it. You yeah. know, I watched the movie. I read the book. Whatever. It's right. good for you know, good for her. <laughs> Um, for making all that money, but yeah. But, yeah um, but if you want to go back and reread those stories, I would reread the Hunger Games, so I wouldn't reread book three. Yeah, like, I don't feel <laughs> <it's> compelled. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Well, but I will say that this is a very common thing that writers um, they write these amazing female characters, and then mm. they don't know how to end it, so they give them a family. <laughs> mm. Like they yeah. make them have a kid, and yeah. it's like, oh, but it's Katniss wasn't missing time, a kid. Yeah, you're right. That right, was, it most didn't of the time fit with like, her character. What? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, you know, that, that's just BS from condition, social conditioning. Like, oh, how do we give her peace? Let's saddle her with a child. That'll be great for this completely independent, yeah. you know, woman who has was... never expressed a need for a child or a desire for a and child. And they put her in a dress. She hadn't worn, like, a, uh, like, just a house, they put her in, like, a house dress from, like, Little House uh, on the Prairie. The yeah. <laughs> Which I is, mean... Like... I have yeah. some issues with this. Also, yeah. uh, True Detective season two. Speaking of a very okay. similar ending, um, for those who haven't watched it, I am saving you what ten hours by telling you this because season two is awful. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they have these three or these four main characters: one woman, three men. You know the golden ratio of TV, mm-hmm. and they, the men get very satisfying endings. They're not happy endings, but they are satisfying. They make sense. They match with that character's behavior. Um, they, you know, it's like a culmination of their choices and their like life, you know, worldview mm-hmm. yeah. basically leads to that ending. And you're like, yep, this makes sense. And then the woman, uh, I think it's Rachel, Rachel McAdams. Is that her name? Maybe. Um, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, they give her a baby. They give her a baby. They send her to Mexico mm-hmm. and give her a baby. And I'm like, this woman has never expressed interest for a baby once. 
Yeah. Like, and now she has this baby. Like, that's not, that's neither satisfying nor happy because she's like on the lamb with the baby. That seems not fun. Um, yeah. But, no, I could, I could see that being frustrating. Yeah. The, the, yeah. So that's kind of the difference, right? Like, the men, not super happy ending, but at least satisfying. And I was okay with that. Mm hmm. And sometimes people can ruin it. I think uh, I want to say in the X Files, they gave uh, Mulder and Scully a baby, and then they kidnapped the baby by aliens, I think, which was like, you know. A little bit more, you know, with the genre, I guess. But uh -huh. I'm pretty sure the baby got kidnapped. I'm not sure they even got to keep the baby. Yeah, <laughs> so. I know. This is really terrible, but I was just reading a book, and it got to a point in this character. It was like she was very much strong, all over the place, independent, didn't want to be tied down. And suddenly it's like, oh, and she's pregnant. I almost put the book down. Yeah. Uh, but then she miscarried, and so I kept reading, which is, ooh. But yeah, <laughs> sort no, of like, that's, that's okay, I mean, like, at least we can have more story, because it was, like, midway through, and I'm like, if this is taking that turn, I'm not even in here. Like, I'm not here for it. Yeah, so obviously so. there's a lot of danger in endings um, and yes. doing them badly. Uh, you can ask my wife. She threw out her all of her uh, uh, Gilmore Girls collection after they came out with the extended edition ending, like the extra four, season, extra four episodes when they, when they ended it. It ruined the entire show. She she could have mm -hmm. quoted you any line from that show for like I don't know seven seasons or how many, maybe more than that. And then when they added on that tacked on ending, she was like, "I'm done. I'm throwing this out. Like I'm never watching yeah. the show again." So how about yeah, we... I just pretend that Scrubs doesn't have a season nine? <laughs> yeah, it's just like sometimes they kill our they kill our shows for us. Um, mm -hmm. So what are some things that you can say we can do to help avoid this fate of the terrible um... ending? So one thing is getting to know what your story is actually doing. So keeping in mind what the character wants versus what they need, okay. um, but also making sure that your character aligns with the theme. Okay. Um, How do we do that? So, so what your character wants and what they need have to be, um, it has to have tension with not only the, you know, the surroundings, the environment, but what is being asked of them. Um, so I'm trying to think of a good example. Well, yours comes to mind, but I don't necessarily mm. want to dive into yours. But um, Well, the, so the antagonist you, wants the same thing usually in a different way. Yeah, yeah. The antagonist uh, and the protagonist generally want the same thing um, mm. to some degree. Um, okay, I'll use, I'll use my own series, which nobody's read, but I'll explain it. Okay. Um, so with Jessica Christ, it's this, you know, it's the daughter of God is born and the antagonist could, it's not really the devil. Um, although she does have to, she does get to look forward to confronting the devil. Um, but it's this, this like shyster charlatan, um, Jimmy Dean who presents himself as pastor. And so what they both want is control of her message. Mm -hmm. Um, well, that's what she needs. What she wants is to not have a message, right? Okay. So what she wants is to not be the daughter of God. She's like a reluctant um, She Messiah. wants to be normal. She doesn't want, yeah, she doesn't want to be controversial to people. She just wants to be left alone. That's not going to happen. So her whole arc is she needs to come in alignment with what she needs. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, meanwhile, the antagonist, he wants power. Um, and so to do that, he... Uh, basically hijacks her nativity story to use her as this example of her and her mother as this example of original sin and um, uses it to create this wacky church that will give him the power. But, but to do that, he has to keep owning her narrative and the story of her mm. life. Okay. You know, so then, you well, know, obviously her, her goal then 
reflects the theme in this scenario. If the, if the theme mm-hmm. is that whatever her narrative is relates to the theme, obviously, and then her owning the narrative. Right. right. So her a lot of what she struggles with is um, being sort of criticized. She deals with a lot of shaming. Mm-hmm. Um, she is constantly blamed for things. She also has uh, powers she can't always control. Um, and she has special powers that put her right in the limelight. So she doesn't want all those things, right? But it's like the theme is sort of coming into your own, accepting your own um, power, you know, the kind of basic, it's almost like a YA kind of theme, but yeah. definitely not a real It sounds kid. like a lot of this is going to go back to genre expectations when it comes to your yeah. particular genre. I mean, if whatever you're writing, there are going to be some expectations, obviously, like in the action story versus, you know, the YA romance mm-hmm. is going to vary your theme is obviously going to be somewhat in alignment with your genre expectations am i right yes i mean you ha- you you have to end a romance a certain way mm-hmm. right you have to have that happy ending um you also have to have a satisfying ending if people are going to like it mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, a lot of people will do in romance rather than they they don't really know their characters well enough to know how to give them a satisfying ending so they give them a baby right and which is if the readers like it, fine. Um, with something like, you know, maybe military sci-fi, the themes are going to be about group cohesion. Um, you may have one that's like, okay, stand against the group to, you know, be like the the lone wolf kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then you need to develop those themes and you have to, you know, what a lone wolf wants um, and needs is going to be different from what, you know, a, a space unit, I don't know, right. like a you know, military unit is going to want and need, um, or what the commander of that unit's going to want and need versus what, you know, like a lieutenant or whatever the lowest rank you yeah. have is going to need. So, it, I mean, the themes are going to vary even within like the genre um, based on if you're like rooting for the little guy or, mm-hmm. you know, the heavy, you know, it depends on the, heavy depends on the powers, the power structure of your story. I guess it yes. relates to it. Like who's we always root yeah. for the underdog usually, but who the underdog that, is can vary. Mm-hmm. Right, um, it, you can you can do it where you're not rooting for the underdog. Right. Um, I mean, you know, going back to Game of Thrones, we were rooting for Danny. I mean, she was kind of the underdog, but like she basically had this power mm-hmm. that is just kind of waiting for her. Right. So she's born into a good position and that sort of thing. So you can do that. And I mean, you have to create your character. I, I like to use Enneagram yeah. um, to create my characters and personalities. And that's um, I'm actually working on a blog post on that for yeah. anyone who wants to and jump I, on Medium and follow me. I hadn't followed that um, or hadn't thought of that. But when before we had our discussion, when you discussed the various Enneagram, I had I mean, I've known about it, but for some reason I didn't mm-hmm. it didn't occur to me to compare my antagonist and protagonist to where they are on that spectrum, which I thought was really useful. Um, yeah. I mean, cause you have different themes in the Enneagram that I think are interesting. So um, it, it, it's a very complicated system and I'm not, I'm by no means like an expert, but I'm, you know, interested in it and I learn about it and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But based on what number of the nine you fall into in this sort of circle, um, there are different themes like power, or freedom, or, you know, love, mm-hmm. or goodness. Mm-hmm. And 
that's kind of your own theme. Like everyone kind of has one that's driving them, their motivation. Um, yeah. So if, if you know what the theme of your story is going to be, it can be really interesting to pick a protagonist who has the specific Enneagram type that matches that theme. Um, because then you really have created some tension, some dialogue, because that's what they're going to be battling with, like internally. So then the internal can echo um, the external, and it can all kind of feed off of each other and create a really memorable story. Kind of resonates and echoes that way with yeah. itself, which is cool. Jamie, Jamie uh, Crumpton says, Clear is a story ninja. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for watching. Um, <laughs> good to see you on here. Uh, and Ken Robbins says, The Dark Tower series was a satisfying ending for me, so I'll have to check that one. I haven't seen the ending of Dark Tower. Oh, well, I would not. I would <laughs> not ruin that. So are we, we're talking about the Dark Tower series, not the movie? Yeah. That is a very controversial ending, <laughs> and um, I would say it was, I found it extremely satisfying. Mm. Um you know, and it's after like, what is it, like 4,000, 5,000 pages of these books. And you've, it, I yeah. think it took me two years to read them. And I shut that book and was like, I need a moment. <laughs> that's like, a, that's I, a good feeling. That's a good feeling. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, that might be genius or I might yeah. hate Stephen King. Right. Which is, which is great. I think that's a great way to end a book with yeah. those two thoughts warring in the reader's mind. Yeah. Not specifically Stephen King. That would be weird, but you know. The it, there is something to be said for leaving your uh, readers thinking at the end. And it makes me think of um, the movie Inception, where at the end mm -hmm. where the top is spinning and you're not quite sure if it's going to fall over or not. A little wobble. Yeah, yeah, it starts to wobble and you're like, whoa, wait, wait. And then like the, the credits roll and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, that's just. Yeah. Like, and you know, that's something that um, I don't think is discussed enough in. The community because it's very much you know it helps your sales your actual like sales numbers you know mm -hmm. that you can measure and define to be able to just sell the next book right but creating a book that people finish and immediately want to go back to the start mm -hmm. you know if it's like the start of the series or the start of the book and reread it maybe they don't have time which is even better because then it's sitting on their shelf and every time they see it they go oh i really want to reread that book yeah. that's going to be the book that they're going to recommend to people because it's yeah. going to stick with them and word of mouth is the best. I mean, that's how I get all of my books is word of mouth. Right. And I read, I mean, I read a lot of books, but it's like, I won't just pick up something if I've never heard of it. Yeah, you that's want just a recommendation. You want some, what blew the socks off someone else that you know? That's the, right. that's the book you want to read. You don't want to read the so-so book. You want to read the, the <laughs> one that just they could not put down. Exactly. And that's, that takes a lot more thought. You mm -hmm. have to be much more thoughtful going in. Yeah. Um, you, you know, if everything is really in alignment and that's, you have a middle that keeps people interested um, and an ending that is satisfying, you know, as satisfying as you can get it mm -hmm. and maybe leaves them conflicted. Yeah. Like we said, you know, about sure. like, whoa, wait, what? Like, it doesn't have to be open-ended. It doesn't have to be, you know, like a psychological thriller, but just like, whoa, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of people that can see that. They can see the beginning and they say, okay, here's my character's flaw. Here's what they want. Here's mm -hmm. what they need. Here's where they inevitably are going to end up because it's sort of this reflection of like, okay, here's right. the opening image, closing image. And, but something has changed, obviously, along the way. What have they learned? There's this process. But then there's this thing called the middle 
that we have to connect point A to point Z. And all along the way there, there's a lot of ways to get lost. Um, there. <laughs> what, are, what are some of the questions that you ask for people that are just stuck in the soggy middle, which is where I find myself uh -huh. almost constantly? Yeah, well, there are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of books that will tell you at midpoint this needs to happen. And they're all, they're all right to some extent, you know, there are good books out there to read. Um, but what I do when I'm stuck is I look at kind of the pieces. Um, I think space to think has been undervalued in the, in the indie writing community. Mm -hmm. um, just to like, even if you, cause I'm a bit, I'm like obsessive about my Google calendar. So I will schedule in like this hour, I'm going to think about this problem. That's very smart. Um, yeah. And it, you know, or go take a shower or, you know, whatever gets your, you know, you can't get off in the your car, phone. Just have some yes. silence in the car. Yes. Turn the radio off, get your phone out of reach mm -hmm. and think about the problem. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I kind of like to lay out, okay, what, what are some things that I may have mentioned characters or something that I kind of, that kind of dropped off? Like what pieces do I have at play? Um, and, and then returning back to the, like your theme, like what's important to this story, what needs to happen. Um, and you can kind of drill down, but if you're still stuck and you're just not feeling it, one thing that I do is um, I will isolate myself and grab a piece of paper, not a phone, um, and write down, I'll call it cool stuff, because this is PG, but yeah. just cool stuff that will, that would happen that would be like, Oh, that would be so funny if that happened. You know, I mean, I write humor. You obviously don't want to throw slapstick in if it's not the tone, but just like think of the things that you would be cool to see that you, you know, maybe think of shows that you watch that are in the same genre or books you've read mm -hmm. that you're like, Oh, that moment was epic. And really think about that. And like, how could I do something like that? Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of some of my favorite tropes that are appropriate. Well, I know, for example, like I've got one that is has cool cars in it, my story. So therefore, mm -hmm. there has to be a car chase in there somewhere. Like it's a genre Absolutely. expectation. It's something that at some point right. there's going to be a car chase. Like, yeah, and I that, don't put it that in stuff there, can get lost. Yeah, um, when you're actually plotting it out because you're thinking about other things. Right. Um, but so, for example, one of my favorite things that always makes me laugh is when in a movie, usually a movie or TV show, sometimes a book, um, someone you have a moment that's like the tone is somber or romantic or something. And then someone literally gets hit by a bus. That mm. is one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it yeah. makes me laugh every time. And yeah. so I don't want people to get hit by a bus over and over again, but they can get hit by a lot of things. Yeah. And so it's like, that was one of the things when I was writing cool stuff recently, I was like, Oh, I need to do like one of those moments. Yeah. And why not? You know, especially with, uh, religious satire. God is one of my characters. God can do whatever, you know, he, she wants. So right. can I can do something some like, or whatever. Right. I can hit people with buses or whatever. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, That's Deadpool powerful. two has a moment like that. Yeah, with the seen, parachuting scene. Yeah. That one's hilarious. Have that is seen, the equivalent of someone getting hit by a bus. Yeah. Out of nowhere. I really like that in, um, edge of tomorrow with, um, have you seen that one with uh, Tom Cruise and, um, mm -hmm. Emily Blunt? It's kind of like a, action movie Groundhog Day, uh -huh. but 
they use that to really great effect because of the fact that every time he, he dies, he just reboots and kind of like starts his day over again. So they have just so right. much fun with him just getting killed because <laughs> they can do right, it right. as and much as they it want. It helps that there's no consequence, right? And yeah. you can go really far. I mean, you don't yeah. want to throw, you don't want to hit like a really important character with a bus and then be like, well, shoot, that changes things because I right. needed that I character that for a character. later scene. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so think of these things that, you know, you enjoy. Maybe it's like, oh, I love, I don't know, a sword fight on the top of, you know, of a turret, some castle's turret or something. Yeah. Um, and and throw it in, like, just write down a bunch of stuff. See if you can come up with 10 ideas. Mm-hmm. And that'll start getting you excited about it. Like, oh, that's going to be really fun to write. How do I work that in there? Um, and usually, you know, you can put that in the first half of the story where you're just kind of you're getting things started and then there's kind of, you know, I don't know if you've read, you've probably read anatomy of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm talking about the fun and games portion where it's yep. just like, all right, here are the things. Let's see how they all kind of play together. Yeah. Um, but you can throw, if it works in the later half of your story, go for it. Um, but that kind of gets you excited. Um, and the middle can be anything. That's the thing. People try and think like, what is the way that it's supposed to go? It could go a lot of ways to get from point A to point B. You can go all over the place. So Mm. do something that's, that's true to your themes, true to your characters and fun. Yeah. That's kind of it. I, and I think that is important too, to surprise the reader along the way, because while we, um, say that, you know, the reader should know what the ending's going to be, but but be surprised about how to get there. Like they're, mm-hmm. they they should be there should be a twist somewhere. And I I frequently get very stuck if I don't have the twist. I'll be sitting through a plot. If it's just you know A B C D E F G, like I'm bored. By like if things happen right. the way they're supposed to happen, that's that's not a fun story. Right. Like, right. And you know, there's the rule that each <laughs> scene, it's not a scene unless something changes, unless right. it the poles switch basically. Um, yeah. You know, it starts off, things are looking hopeful, and then something happens, and ooh, not so good. Um, So if you find that a scene isn't really working for you, or it's just kind of like, okay, like, I don't know if I need this, ask yourself if it's gone. And it can go good, bad, good. It can turn twice, but, um, you know, make sure that that it's turning. It can be bad, and then there's hope or something like that at the end. Some sort of revelation or some sort of new information or or action. Something. And that also makes hooks a lot easier to write at the end of chapters if you yeah. have just dropped, you know, dropped the bomb or, you know, just been like, oh, well, this is an interesting idea. End of chapter, right? So it's like, yeah. wait, you're you're promising something really interesting in the next chapter to keep them reading on. I was just watching um, the master class with, with uh, Dan Brown. And he was talking about that <laughs> with his stories where he basically just takes like the ending and it's like, doesn't give, he writes it like with has an ending and then just removes the ending and then puts that in the next chapter. You yeah. know, it's like whatever the end of this scene is like, don't give him the end. Like yeah. make him flip to the next chapter and then get the satisfying part of it. Absolutely. And that's usually something that like I go back after I've written it mm-hmm. and changed the chapter uh, placement. Yeah, Dan Brown, man, you know, for as much as much trash as I do occasionally talk about him, mm-hmm. I cannot put his books down. And they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're fun books, you yeah. know, regardless of what you think, you know, if you want to talk about writing style and all that, they're fu- he does it well. Yeah, And, I and think that's he, what a book should be. <laughs> exactly. And after listening to him talk, too, it's interesting because he is doing exactly what he sets out to do. He's trying to write a book with simple vocabulary that's not super mm-hmm. flashy. He, he calls it transparent because he's not trying to lose anybody along the way. He's trying yeah. to 
let them live this story, but then continuously hook them into the next chapter so that people are up at 2 a.m. still reading. Which, and yeah. if it works, it works. And um, obviously it's a, it's a testament to pacing and, you know, oh, yeah. how, how we structure things in interesting ways. But um, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it, actually. So I'm, 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 I, was, uh, cool. I was curious about it, but now I'm, uh, I just axed the last sentence of one of my chapters today. I'm like, oh, that's going to go. And that's going to be, that's going to be a lingering thought for the reader um and it's fun it's kind of fun to just go in there and tweak things after the fact and be like uh yeah yeah i'm gonna delay the satisfaction on this for a little while longer mm -hmm. um because we all like that the anticipation yep. and suspense and, uh, yeah we hate love it yeah exactly we can hate love it right to the end and then we yep. <laughs> right to the next part of the series yeah Okay, so that's fantastic. So we talked a little bit about heroes and villains. Uh, we talked a little bit about our, our ending payoffs and some of our, um, you know, some of our, our, our avenues to get there. Any other major pitfalls you see commonly coming up in these conversations that you have? The, the um, keep repeating over and over. Yeah, again? I think people get uh, a little bit too focused or, or get this idea that there's one way that it should happen. Mm. Um, and I think when you get stuck one of the best things you can do is ask yourself, well, what if I did this with the story? And what if I did, just ask yourself these questions, like what we were talking about with the questions, what if, what if I made the character do this? Or what if they, you know, and just sort of let it kind of go. Cause if you get too honed in on, this is how I go from A to B to C to D. Um, sometimes it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're, Plotting your beats, if you're, you know, if you're a plotter and you're writing out your beats, it, it seems good at the time. It seems like it all works, but then the characters are saying stuff that, that doesn't quite match up to what you had planned. And just, just try and like surprise your brain, shock your brain, kind of loosen up that plaque and yeah. see, yeah. um, see what comes from it. Cause I, you know, you're a creative person. Um, and, and this is that's your strength. This is something I've had to convince myself of recently that I'm capable of writing this scene over, like from scratch. Like I can do it. Like I, because it, mm -hmm. I don't. I have this this mental block that once it's down, that it's down. And when I go to revise it later, I don't want to revise the entire book. So, for me, it's easier to do it um, while I'm writing. While I'm stuck, when I get stuck somewhere, like in the middle, like that's a good excuse for me to go back and revise. Some people say, "Oh, you should never revise. You should always just write your first draft and spit out the crap, and then go back and edit it." But I know how I am, whereas I get published this now-itis, where I'm like, oh, this is almost a complete book. I really want to get this thing out there and, and sell uh -huh. it. And I can't do that if it's missing the ending. <laughs> so I can go back and like keep rehashing some things that I know could be better before I actually finish my first draft, which um, is just my own personal mental tweak to make myself fix things. Well, yeah, um, and that's a really good point because I... I it works differently for each person. So it's yeah. a matter of getting to know what's going to work for you. If you think you can like kind of jot down some ideas of how you do that scene differently and then keep writing, mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like, I think I got 20,000 words into the sixth Jessica Christ book. And I was like, Oh, this is not it. This is just not it. Um, or it was the fifth one. It, and I realized that I needed to go write this entire other like memoir of this of my antagonist which was so fun as fun. i said i love antagonists yeah. um, and it was all lies and propaganda so that was really nice um so i had to do some homework yeah. on my own um but it also i was like the, these twenty thousand words just aren't gonna work so for me it was like 
if you take the wrong exit and you're going in the different direction, it's like, I would rather just redo, right? Like it's rather than having to go all the way back around and maybe, you know, you don't have your phone, you don't have Google maps and just like, okay, well let's see if we can get back on course. Like I'd rather just tell, like just stop, pull over, ask for directions or, Mm -hmm. you know, backtrack to where I was and go like, I don't like the whole, okay. I don't like the beginning. So I'm just going to trust that I write it correctly next time and just keep moving on as if I had already written it. I, I can't do that. My brain doesn't do that. Mm. Some people do. Yeah. So, you know. I've done a combination of those things in the past and tried various solutions. Um, mm-hmm. Julie sometimes says, you just got to trash a scene. Sometimes you do. Claire says, I'm sorry, Julie says, Claire, I'm always amazed that even as a plotter, I still get stuck in the middle, even though I've thought through the plot and how it's supposed to go. What do you think I'm missing in the planning stages? Um, specifically Julie. Are we talking Julie Strauss here? <laughs> yes, we are. So Julie Strauss. <laughs> All right, let's psychoanalyze. Um, <laughs> the therapist is in. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it is if you are not enjoying it, um, a lot of the times the middle is if you if if you get stuck in your strategic brain a little too much of, all right, I've done this setup, now I need to get here. Mm-hmm. It can feel really, it can start to feel really dry. Um, it can be like, okay, and now this has to happen, and now this has to happen, and oh, I have to write this scene. Um, I would say stop. Don't write the next scene until you're excited about the next scene. Mm. Um, because once you're excited about the next scene, it's going to go great. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to go. I mean, you look back on your first draft and it'll still be like, ooh, because it's a first draft, but it'll feel great. It'll get you motivated. It'll get you momentum. Um, pushing through the next scene for a lot of people, that's that's just not going to work. Um, or you're going to have to do so much revision on it later that you may as well rewrite it. So yeah. I, I think finding like the gem in the next scene and if there's not a gem in the next scene, maybe you don't need that scene. That's a good question maybe, to ask yeah. yourself. It sounds Do like I a, need this scene? It sounds like a good time to go look at that list of fun things that you made. Yeah. Um, that you're talking exactly. about. Like, well, where's my car chase? Or where's my thing that I, my sword mm-hmm. fight on top of the tower? Like, there, whatever thing that you really wanted to put in there, is this a good time to maybe throw that in? Um, yeah, and you can't forget that you're the creator of this world. You can do whatever you want. I mean, you've created some rules, right, that you have to adhere to. Mm-hmm. Um, but do something fun, you know, yeah. it, and make sure that scene's changing because if it's not changing, then it's probably just, um, you know, and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens and that's not yeah. super exciting. Um, what but, the- like, when you know that you're dra- about to, like, drop something crazy on the reader, your anticipation is going to help you get there. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Julie's comment kind of ins- inspired me was that it has helped me to learn the function of the scene and not necessarily mm-hmm. the content of the scene. Um, yeah. And thinking about like, okay, yeah, this story needs this particular you know, piece of structure to get it from point A to point D or whatever. So I have, I'm writing this scene, but the overall purpose of the scene um, can say the same even if the scene itself changes. Like, can I add in a d- mm-hmm. different characters? Can I put, um, can I have this same thing happen in a completely different scenario? Take everything out, put it all back in again, still serve the same function in the overall machine of getting here to here, but just completely scrap it and start over. Like, as long as you know the core. Uh, right, and, and, exactly. it, like, and like you said, if there is no core, if there is no overall purpose to that scene, we'll just take it out. 
and right it's the yeah. same thing with it's like if the character is just walking from one place to another cut it you know it's mm-hmm. there's nothing important like readers will follow along and you know as long as you tell them it's three months later somehow you know they yeah. don't need to know everything I, I mean if you go back and look i've been reading rereading harry potter so it's fresh in my mind nice. um but if you go back and look there's like months between chapters that are never mentioned and like as you know the first eight or nine times i read it i never noticed that it was just i was following along like trusting that if there was something important that had happened the you know the author would tell me yeah and so you can really like look at it and just jump to the next um exciting point and or like you said the function of the scene does it uh change you know, your opinion of the character? Mm-hmm. Is the character making an important decision? Is this mm-hmm. going to have consequences? Um, or even, is this just a really fun, entertaining scene? Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, if it's in the um, fun and game section especially. Like, if this is just yeah. something where we're getting to know the character and we need a reason to like them more, like, have fun with it. I think that's that's a great idea. Um, one of the things, too, that when you were talking about skipping over things, it reminded me of uh, a comment I was reading recently where readers like to be clever they like to figure things out and as a result if you make them feel like they're clever because they figured out they like you better and they like your books more where it's like Mm -hmm. you've all of a sudden presented them an opportunity to figure something out and they've figured it out you've given them enough breadcrumbs to figure it out um but now all of a sudden this is like an adrenaline rush for them in their heads right which, yeah, because you're not giving your readers a story. You're giving your readers a feeling, mm-hmm. um, an emotion, an intellectual experience yeah. um, that reflects on their own identity in a certain way. So, yeah, I mean, you want to give them enough so that they can follow along so they don't feel stupid. Because, you know, mm-hmm. if, like, you're reading and you don't get it, you're going to be like, this author's stupid. Right. Um, and you toss your candle, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, like I like the gesture. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that readers can follow along and they trust you, you know, they trust that if there's something important that's happening, you'll show them. And if you've skipped over time, nothing important's happened. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. Like it would be strange for nothing to have happened. And, you know, even in Harry Potter, it's like, wait, all this crazy stuff was happening. And then it's like three months later before finals. Like why did nothing happen in between? Like if you stop and think about it, you're like, Surely something must have happened. There must yeah. have been an important conversation or something. But it's like... It's like, no, we nah. just hung out in the library the whole time. Yep. And like did some just, research. Yeah. And then didn't, just didn't studying and right, blowing things up or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, and, and that's fine. People will go with that. And I'm, you know, a huge Harry Potter fan. and It doesn't even bother me. Yeah. Whatever. It's well, a story. One of the things I found useful was... And I found it useful in multiple ways, which is oftentimes when having these conversations can do is someone will say something and like maybe even the way they meant it was different than what, how you took it, but you ran with it. Um, yeah. a few, maybe a month ago or so, however many episodes ago it was, we had uh, Damon Suede on he was talking about the idea of you're not really writing a story as it'll occur for the reader. You're creating a jungle gym for the reader. You're building the basic structure. They're filling in the details. So the story doesn't yeah. actually even, like we're translating what we think is the story onto a page, but then the reader then has to take that coded message that we've put into letters and, and blank space and then retranslate that back into the experience in their head of what your story is. Mm-hmm. So that everyone we tell the story to is getting a different experience from it based on how they interpreted our little coded message that we put on the page, which I, which I think is really interesting because it, it relates to what you're saying, like where you're, you're yeah. letting people connect their own dots. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's also important to keep that in mind when you get bad reviews. Yeah, that is, that is, that is very true. They may not be great at climbing that specific kind of jungle gym. <laughs> they should have stayed off the playground. Yeah. They're not grown up enough yet for that, for that jungle gym. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is all really, really useful. I, this has been a fun conversation. And I can, like I said, I could sit there and talk to you about craft for, for days probably and, and not yeah. get bored. But we have been chatting for 45 minutes, which is longer than this episode is supposed to be. So we'll, we'll okay, go ahead and, and start start wrapping it up a little bit. But thank you for everyone who has commented, um, especially Julie, Ken, and everyone who has um, left comments. If you have more comments for Claire, feel free to throw them up because we, we don't stop existing after the episode. Feel free to just hang out with us more in the comments section and, and we'll get Claire back on. Um, but... More importantly, if you want to go hang out with Claire one-on-one and get your own video session with Claire, uh, where should they go? Um, well, storyalignment.com is where that service is. I also, if you go to F, <clears throat> excuse me, ffs.media, that is my um, you know publishing company. That's where I publish my different pen names and sort of that sort of thing. But it also has a lot of author resources, like um, links to the blog. Mm-hmm. I have a blog on Medium where I do little bits. I try and keep them kind of bite-sized. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of the stuff we talked about. Um, and there's also a lot of stuff about writing humor if you want to make your story funnier. Um, that's you know obviously something that I enjoy. So um, you can jump over there. Um, I also do developmental edits, like full developmental edits. Those are a little bit pricier. Because um, yeah, they're should way more labor-intensive. We should mention that you have an editing service as well, that you do do editing. Yeah, I do editing. Um, I really enjoy the calls because I think it's kind of the fun stuff. And I mean, it's like, it's, it's more like motivation, like, okay, let's get you excited about the story again and get yeah. you, get you moving on it. Um, and it's more affordable. It's, you know, it, I think it's a $119 for an hour. Um, but there's just ask me for a coupon, yeah. honestly, and I'll give it to you. Um, Can I give them my coupon? Yeah, do it. Okay, so if you are watching this show, you can enter the, the discount code VanCoops, and then you get a you get a discount on Claire's service. So I yeah, can, so if I, I don't know what that one is. I think it's like twenty five percent off or something. So, I think so. Yeah, so, something like that. Somebody use but my yeah. discount. Yeah. yeah, use the discount. <laughs> I'll let you know if someone uses it. All right. Um, but yeah, so it's the kind of thing that someone can like fold into their, you know, every book process or every book budget, you know, production mm-hmm. budget is just like, all right, cool. At some point, I'm going to get sick of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just have this, you know, ready for it. So I wanted it to be something affordable and, you know, for people who are writing a lot, who are familiar with story, um, and just need a little help along sometimes. Yeah. And I do have a link, um, in the comments already. So if you guys are, are cool. browsing around the comments, there's one there for, for getting to your website. Um, Cara Beijing, Beijing says great interview guys. Uh, Ken Robbins says great book faces live today. Thanks to both of you. So, um, and Julie says great chat. You're done. they're like yeah see ya all right we're out um wrap it up guys so um (laughs) no yeah but thank thank you for that like i said i i have personally used this service i highly recommend it i got a lot out of the the conversation that we had and also the recording like i said you get to watch this over and over again and um get it's the gift that keeps on giving that way so Mm -hmm. i think it's a great service um and i i give it two thumbs up so highly recommend it but, Appreciate um, that. Yeah, Claire, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and hanging out. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I think I'm almost up to as many as Chris Fox. You are. You're getting <laughs> very close. He's he's a hard one to catch. He's always, he keeps I coming. I know. Um, you'll beat him one of these days. We'll have you back <laughs> soon. 
But um, yeah, thank you everyone for watching, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with another uh, friend who you think might enjoy it. We always appreciate that. And we'll see you back here again soon for another great episode. So long.